podcast. podcast. Do do Podcast. Two hoes. Two hoes. Four house on the hill. From Delco. Four house on the hill. Boop, oh, boop. yeah, that's a I'm going to start recording now, actually. Um, oh, wait, you know what? One thing I wanted to do, I wonder if I can get it in here. Actually, I'm recording and I don't know where it is. But yeah, if you were like shocked about, you know, uh, the news, maybe the last time we were talking and what's going on with coronavirus and all this stuff. Um, today, for instance, well, I mean, so you're not watching the news, Marie? You have, what do you know? I, I, um, definitely haven't seen the news today. Mm -hmm. Like, I know that there have been, like, riots going on, something about a target burning down or something, and then, like, a cop was breaking windows and blaming on protesters. Is that true? I mean, yeah, apparently, yeah, that... And that was an insider person. I don't, I'm like weirded out, but that, that, that even exists, you know? But, um, yeah, he got doxxed. Everybody knows his name, where he lives and everything. Um, but the, what, what's going on today. So there's protests going on across the country and, um, everyone's burning cop cars and looting stores and there oh, was wow. one in Philly today. So now Philadelphia has an 8 p.m. curfew out oh, right now. Shit. Yeah. So they like, so I went actually, the pro, like, I went to the protest that started at two at the art museum and it was actually really peaceful and it wasn't violent at all. And I was actually really afraid of that happening because, like, if people started tagging up the art museum and, like, burning the art museum down i mean that would be like fucking just horrible that would be like just so gross um but that's not what happened and the art museum didn't get tagged up but everyone started moving to city hall from at like three o'clock and there was earlier protests at noon at city hall and they were peaceful as well but they were also it was also not good, good communication between the organizations because the official Black Lives Matter group in Philadelphia said that the people doing the protests at noon didn't get in touch with them at all. And they were they didn't know who the people were who were organizing this other protest. So there was like a miscommunication. Um, and then I guess that was the point of meeting at the art museum and then everyone was there. And then at three o'clock, everyone went from the art museum to City Hall. And then from there, there was a Pennsylvania state um, police car that got caught on fire. I mean, well, somebody, Uh they lit it on fire. And then, like, three or four more cop cars got lit on fire. Then there was a Starbucks at Dilworth Plaza that got lit on fire. They were breaking the windows of City Hall and knocking air conditioning units out of the building. Which, side note, it's kind of funny that City Hall doesn't have central air. I mean, they... <laughs> City Hall is a piece of fucking shit. City Hall is a piece of shit. It's known amongst lawyers as, like, being so shitty. It fucking smells like piss, like, bombs in there and shit. Like, horrible, yeah. Um, and City Hall's been tagged up. 
So then, so after all the cop cars and stuff got on fire, now everyone's looting all the stores on Walnut and Chestnut. All, all, all of it is just broken windows. Everyone's looting. People, it's like total chaos in Center City. So um, how much of this were you physically? When did you leave the area? I left at three. Like I, okay. like right, you know, I had this like sinking feeling. Everyone was going to City Hall, and I was kind of like, you know. I was here protesting with everyone for an hour. It was peaceful. I just didn't feel right. I was like, so, like it's inevitable that it, this is going to get violent because across the country in every city, it has gotten violent. Like people are like, it's past all the other protests. Like this is like, everyone's sick of it. I'm just, you know, not to say whatever I told you so, but like I fucking have said since the beginning of Trump's presidency Kim's, that there was going to be widespread violence by the end of it, and there fucking is. Why is there violence? No, that there's like going to. I've been saying since the beginning of this presidency that there's going to be widespread violence by the end of it, and people told me it was crazy. Yeah. No. I mean, uh, and. The president was like, you know, tweeted something. When there's looting, there's shooting. Donald Trump tweeted, tweeted this. He's fucking disgusting. I know. And so that just kind of incited people even more. Um, it's just, yeah, it's been a pretty wild day. And, I mean, uh, hopefully the city, hopefully people are done today and this doesn't continue. Um, but yeah, and that, like I don't care actually about the stores to tell you the truth. Like I don't. Who gives a fuck? I don't like, care about that shit. I'm like I'm so anti-capitalist at this point. Like I really think it, it's symbolic of like how everyone is grossly unemployed, weren't ever even receiving a viable paycheck to begin with, and now now we're like all like you know job security is like tight. And then there's the essential workers who are being, like, really working Sacrifice themselves. Sacrifice sacrificial lambs. Yeah, they're working like sacrificial lambs. Like, mm -hmm. so, um, and, like, I can understand, like, Kim's, like, a nurse, like, hospital workers, people who work at nursing homes. There's kind of, like, a consensus to that. But, like, would you think by getting a job at the grocery store that you would have to be responsible, making 13 bucks an hour, no health insurance, no vacation, pay, no, no sick fucking... days? have to be responsible to show up to work during this time. Like, no. so people are just, yeah. I mean, that's really where the looting comes from. People do not feel bad at all because they're like at, done with it. It was know? inevitable. I agree. Just stay home and stay safe. But we're um, also lucky. The other thing too, though, I mean, I lived in Cincinnati when they had the race riots and I think it was like 2001 and um, there was a citywide curfew with this as well. But like the difference being in Cincinnati, like you, if you were white and were even outside, you would get beat up and attacked. Yeah, you got attacked, I remember. I got attacked, that was the ripple effect. That was like six months to a year after. That was Yeah, that was after it. But the, the, it, it didn't heal, like right, it doesn't heal right away. But, right. like, I would say there's still, event, uh, obviously, racial tension, but, like, white people are seen more as allies as protesters and are and are allowed to protest with the Black Lives right. Matter groups. Um, but uh, 
if it was like it was in Cincinnati, I would be even more scared because just yeah. having white skin, you're done. Like, you would get attacked. I, I saw a man in Cincinnati get pulled out of his truck and and beat up. Jesus. Like, I, I like, saw just, you know, really, it was messed up. But, um, anyway, yeah, so that's the news, Marine. Watch out. Well, you know what? I In other news, there was a rocket launch today, and it was the first time... Like, that a private company, SpaceX, worked with NASA to launch human beings into space, and they're going to the International Space Station. And I think that's really interesting because I feel like, it seems like when humans are, like, sending people into space and it's, like, very active in the human, in, like, the psyche of the public, like, we, it's also coinciding with times of unrest, and I don't think it causes it, I just think it's interesting. Mm -hmm. Like, when we put last man on the moon, what, it was in the 60s? You know who's a big investor in space? Jeff Bezos. A lot of, yeah. He's, he, a I think he's a big investor in the space force, the space thing. He's, like, paying for a lot of that. There's resources in space that they want. They want to amass, like, insane amounts of wealth by going to space and getting it. Like, more more than the planet of Earth is worth. Mm -hmm. is what That's what they're doing. Creepy. Anyway, well, um, yeah, because, I mean, honestly, the way uh, it's going. Um, oh, I got an emergency alert just now. Oh, it's oh, just telling cool. me. Um, oh, yeah, my, oh, yeah. Um, the curfew, it's just, I got an emergency alert on my phone about the curfew. So today is Saturday, March 30th? Yes, today is yeah. Saturday, March 30th. So... Uh, I said May was going to be worse. I tweeted this. I was like, I, May's going to be worse. Yeah, things are going to get fucking crazy. Um, but also, I mean, Gus was saying he was concerned. A lot of people live in Center City. Live there. Yeah. yeah. Like, so if there's fires that start in those stores and stuff like that, and a lot of the people that live in Center City are, like, elderly people. Right. Like, they're old, they're old rich people that live in the city. They got. They get those little condos. They. All, I know. Yeah. I, I clean for all of them, and they. Are, they would yeah. be really screwed if uh, a fire broke out in a store or near where their apartment building is. That's horrible. Yeah. It really. Well. So I mean. So I'm just hoping they don't start setting the stores on fire on Walnut and Chestnut. Because um, it's all I apartment buildings. Too. Yeah. I hope that too. Um. But I'm fine with the Starbucks on Dilworth. Um, that's just, it was just a Starbucks kiosk. So. Uh, then that's fine. No people. No big Fuck Starbucks. God. I just hope it doesn't get spread out to like the neighborhood. So far it's like really quiet in my neighborhood and everything. So. I, <laughs> I really hope so too. <laughs> um, so. In true white lady fashion, um, after discussing all this, let's get to our topic of today's podcast, which is romance novels. Gay. Did you just say and gay? Special guest. Did you just say gay? I said yay, you bitch. No, I said yeah, romance novels, and you went gay. No, no I said yay. 
You heard what you wanted to hear. Don't gaslight me. <laughs> That's the only like form of communication I know anymore. I'm an American. Um, so <laughs> you're listening to Host from Delco with uh, Beth Hindley and Marine Cummings, and we have a special guest today, Kim Cooks. Oh, Zola. You're Zola now. I still, I, I will never be able to. Oh. Okay. Crooks is a better last name anyway. Real, I think Zola is really cool. I mean. I do too. I'm, I'm actually jealous of it. I don't There's know. also the That's Emil cool. Zola. Have you ever read any Emil Zola? I the, haven't, but I mean, I know who he is because I'm kind of boycotting the last name. I agreed to take it because I thought it was a cool last name. But now I'm really <laughs> tired of being at the end of every list. And having my children be at the end. Oh, 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 back of the line. Yeah, those college graduations are going to be nightmares. You went oh, from a yeah. C. You went from a C to a yeah, Z. Good last names. <laughs> yeah, C's are good. Wrong. C's are great, and this is just no. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. But whatever. I had to pick up their stuff from school the other day. All their school supplies. Because they've been out of school for months. And yes, I had a last time slot. Like they assigned you. I had to be there at 1042 when I was the very last person on the list. So that was great. That's funny. Um, well, so Kim's here actually for a second time because uh, everyone who's listening now doesn't know this and we're, we'll tell them now. Uh, we already recorded this episode and I deleted it. Which I have to say, we really haven't had any in... You know, this we've been doing this podcast. We only have like 38 episodes. This is episode 38. Uh, but we haven't had any technical difficulties, really. I mean, aside from no, being poorly produced, but nothing. Yeah, I was going to say probably due to like the lack of editing and post-production. <laughs> yeah, aside from that, aside from that, we've really had no technical. This has not happened. And I actually, I listen to a lot of podcasts. This has happened on other podcasts, too. This is a podcast thing that happened. Oh, I'm sure. Like people, I've always been afraid of it. I'm not surprised it happened, not because of you, just because. It's bound to. It's yeah. going to happen. Um, so, but I've become, I've come a little bit, I said I was going to be really prepared. Well, I was going to, like, go through my romance novels I talked about last time and, like, pick out things to read. But I ended up not doing that because there was a protest today and, you know, I got caught up in that. Um, but I did get – so Kim talked about um, her favorite ro- romance novel or at least the one that she remembered the most. Kim, are your pronouns still she, her? Yes. Just checking. Um, I'm an asshole. Um, but no, just go to my library. I, I actually got your book. On, Did you really? What was it like Night in Shining Armor? Yeah, but I, yeah. I got it on, um, on Audible, which is evil that I have that, by the way, it's evil. Uh, I really need to switch all my Night in Shining Armor. That's the book. And I really need to, you're like, I have a library card and you can get audiobooks through the library instead. Um, but anyway, I listen to audiobooks while cleaning houses and I was like, oh, this will be good to get the knight in shining armor, like to listen to. So I got it and I was going to like find, like, I was going to ask you, okay, 
So Kim's book is uh, A Knight in Shining Armor. So Kim, can you talk about, okay, first off, why you got into reading romance novels, like when you got into reading romance novels, and then go into describing your one of your favorites that you remember. Okay, so I got into reading romance novels when I was a teenager because I really liked to read, and those were what were around. My mom would get them from the library, or she'd get like a paperback from someone that she works with, and so then I would read them too. And um, I liked them because, you know, I was young. I kind of was like a late bloomer in terms of relationships. And the romance novels were kind of like a safe place to learn about relationships I without really, having to do it at work. I really liked that about you sharing your experience with romance novels. That it was to learn about sex. Like, because, I mean... Really, it's so awkward and uncomfortable when you're a teenager to, like, figure this kind of, ask these kind of questions with, like, and you don't really talk about it with your friends. I mean, we didn't really talk about the graphic sex mm -hmm. stuff with each other. Like, and then we really just had okay. help. What's that? I did sometimes. Not with me. I feel like we did. No, like, I had, like, no idea, like, you know... About well, I guess we did talk about stuff. Like that was later. We were friends. We weren't really that close. I feel like we got really close junior year, me and you. That yeah. we would talk about that kind of shit together. But like, yeah, when you're in like fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, oh no, grade, we yeah, you didn't talk about that stuff with like. Wait, is Kim saying she was in fifth grade when she was reading these? Well, no, I don't know. Where's no. Kim? Like older grade school or freshman year or something. I couldn't yeah, I, 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 that age. I mean, I was still playing with dolls in fifth grade. That's, I well, shouldn't you know, have... I got my period when I was in fourth grade, so... Oh, so you had to learn early. Man, that sucks. Yeah, man. I got my period before we got the period talk at school. That must have been terrifying. That's horrible. Yeah. Ugh. I was the last to get my period out of, I got my period the very last, and everybody, I was like fresh. Uh, Were you in high school? Yeah, I was like, it was yeah. spring of freshman year. I like, remember when you got your period. Yeah. <laughs> I was probably so fucking excited, because like, I was like, everyone had their period. I was like, going to be like 15. I'm like, can I get my fucking period? I remember that. I remember being at the freshman year, Beth, and you talking about how you didn't get your period. <laughs> you probably, did you feel so bad for me? You're like, die, what a loser. No, because I had just, I was one of the last ones of my friends to get mine, and I got mine, like, in the middle of eighth grade. So I had just gotten, like, I had had mine for, like, a year when you got your Still, a year when you're at that age is, like, forever. So long, I know. Beth, what's this? Um, that's I was just relieved. I was relieved it was other people that were like later than others. What's that? Would you say? Would you say, bitch? <laughs> oh, maybe. I yeah. was relieved there was other people that got their period later than I did. I was. The, I'm sure I was the latest. It was embarrassing. I also remember. I remember like Holly 
also shaming me because I also didn't know about using tampons or anything either. And ever all everyone was like totally over it because like you guys have been having your periods forever. And um I was like I forget what we were talking, but like I was I was like really paranoid about using tampons, like because I was really uneasy about it and I would put them in sitting down, like, so I could be, like, literally looking at my crotch, right? And uh -huh. I would put it in just to, just to be sure everything went okay. And, um, it was horrible. What's that? It was horrible. Yeah, well, Holly made fun of me because I put my tampons in sitting down. And she fucking, she totally made fun of me for it. Wait, I mean, did she stand up? Or now I'm confused. She, like, she, well, she was like, you don't sit down and put your, you stand up. She's like, yeah. She's like. You can do it either way. Part of the tampax oh, instructions. Really? So, okay. Yeah. Now that I'm um, perimenopausal, now I know that you can do it both ways and it's not a big deal. I was like, wait a second. Have I been doing it wrong? <laughs> <laughs> well, like, I don't know. Like, because, I don't know. We were just getting into it. And Holly was like, that's so stupid that you sit down. Like, what kind of a. Uh, she called me a retard. <laughs> well, it was in the 90s, but that was normal then, as with gay. Oh, God. Um, so, okay. Anyway, Kim, I like that you went to romance novels to educate, your, get, get yourself a little sex education. Because that is such a, I wish I had thought of that. I'm, I was so not creative in that way. I was kind of like, I get, I like watch Skinamax or something, or like some softcore porn. Yeah. yeah, we'll see. Yeah, and um, lines. my parents had the Joy of Sex book. Um, oh. You guys know the Joy of Sex book, right? Yeah. Kim, do you have never you read it? I, I know of it. Yeah, Same. My, my parents had it. It's basically like hairy 70s people having sex. Graphic pictures. But it's, it not, like. it's not sexy. It's like because they're gross or like and they had armpit <laughs> hair and stuff. And it's just very matter-of-fact, you know, there's nothing sexy about it. Anyway, um, but I read romance novels just to get horny. I still read them for that reason. But, um, okay, so Kim, go, sorry, I long interlude interrupted you. Um, go on. <laughs> um, so, and then, uh, so one of the books that I remember the most was this book called Night in Shining Armor, which was like a time travel kind of period thing. And um, there was this woman whose name was Douglas, but it was not spelled D-O-U-G-L-A-S. It was D-O-U-G-L-E-S-S. -S. And she somehow went back in time. I don't remember how. It's been a long time. And I believe that she could not consummate her passion for her for her dude I don't know I don't know what to call them the leading man of the story I guess mm -hmm. and um she had like so there was all this sexual tension and then if they did do it then she would like go back to her time or something and she had an embroidered handkerchief with her name on it and gave it to him and then in the future, people, like, knew that this was his handkerchief, and then they thought that he was gay because it said Douglas, which is obviously a boy's name. I don't know. 
I, that's it stuck with me. Oh yeah, Definitely. and we were and we were saying um, the last episode. Uh, I'm trying to remember all the good jokes. Uh, we were saying that that would be a good uh, trendy name if you wanted your your child that was born female to be like gender neutral, and then you would like get to correct people all the time. And if you named them Douglas, so Douglas from this book was probably from like the year, probably like 2030. Right. 2040. In the future, or 2040. Um, so, do you happen to, like, have a, like, I sometimes can remember parts of a book and, and can, like, really, I can get to, like, the page-ish area where a good scene was. Do you think you could do that with this book? No. No, I read it one time, and it was dec literal decades ago, which makes me feel ancient. Yeah. But, yeah, I like I, I remember the handkerchief. I remember that her name was Douglas. Mm -hmm. But, um, no, I don't really remember, like, specific things. Well, I guess I'm just going to have to guess then. I mean, most of the time, the good sex scenes are always in, like, the middle to end of the book. They do, there's a long, there's a long ass build up. Yeah. So, let me see. I'll just go. I wish there was a chapter that was like, chapter 69. Um, this one's kind of short. 25. You are too silent, brother, Kit said, smiling at Nicholas. You should come and make merry. Douglas is to teach us a card game called poker this night oh <laughs> nicholas looked away from his brother something had happened tonight he thought something he couldn't understand at supper he had bitten into one of the chocolate cakes the woman had prepared and he'd known quite suddenly without words that she was not his enemy even as he oh. handed her his ring he told himself he was being a fool Often, when it came to this woman, he was sure he was the one sane person in his household. He was the only person who did not believe her to be a gift from God. And if her good works did turn out to be treachery, he would be the only one who was able to see her as she truly was. But this evening, as he'd eaten that wonderful cake, images had flashed across his mind. He saw her with her hair loose, her legs bare, and sitting on an odd two-wheeled metal frame of sorts. He saw her with water pouring down over her beautiful, nude body. And he saw her clutching his emerald ring to her breast and looking at him with love. Aww. Without a thought, 25. Oh, sorry. Um, I just... Is I this just, what I happens with the case? I... I think my computer's making a weird thing with the audio, but um, anyway, that went quick. Like, I I couldn't follow, like, how we got right to the naked lady. Can, um, can I They were going to play a game of poker, and then all of a sudden the, there's a naked lady there. Yeah, with water pouring over her. Yeah. You know what we should do? Like, really a YouTube channel that's just, like, women reacting to romance novels. Oh, yeah, too bad this is a podcast and you can't see our faces because uh, 
We were really hot and steamy for that. Okay, so. <laughs> That's just like Brad. She was running what she just ghosted the podcast. Um, you guys talk, and I'm going to look for a good spot. And, and um, this is the romance novel that I got from the library, uh, Heart Shaped Fire. And we were talking about how it's a it's a shifter romance, which is a supernatural romance novel that discusses um, shapeshifters. Um, I was saying another of my favorite romance novels by Charlene Harris. Um, the Sophie Stackhouse series has some shapeshifter sex in it as well. So anyway, you guys talk about romance novels while I look for a good segment in this. So, Kim, since our last podcast, did it get you interested in, like, reading any romance novels? And and have you been reading any lately? Well, I have not lately. I did want to read that Knight in Shining Armor one again. Because then I, we were talking about it, and I was like, oh, I remember that book. But then I wanted to read that. Um, and I also wanted to read the Stack House but, you know, just with work, I really just haven't. You know, it's like I'm either working or I'm cleaning or I'm cooking. So, yeah. you know. Yeah. Oh, and since we last talked, my we had massive flooding here. And we had sewage come up our shower and flood our basement with poop and toilet paper. So I have been busy. That's awesome, Kim. That's great news. Yeah. <laughs> great. We had oh, to my God. It was kind of, you know, so. Jesus. That actually happened to Carl's brother, too, like, this week. <laughs> but I think it was, and it had to do with, the, like, the bathtub and the bathroom more so. I don't think it's, like, the whole basement. Yeah. Mm. It's not fun. So I have not really read at all because we've been dealing with stuff related to that. Yeah, that's not, like, really that sexy either. No. no. <laughs> Maybe for some people. No. <laughs> so I haven't read a romance novel since probably high school, although Beth keeps insisting that the Twilight series is romance. Yeah, the Twilight series is a romance novel. I think of them as being more graphic. What's that? I think of romance novels as being more graphic than I perceive Twilight to be. Like the Harlequin romance with the ripped bodice and Fabio. And yes. Yeah, like your CBS. Yeah. Um, no, I agree with that. That's what I think of when I think of romance novels. I think of like, you know, a woman in like a, you know, some fancy gown with her like boobs spilling out. But when I think about it more, like thinking about Twilight, it's like, yeah, it's very dramatic. It's not very plausible. And a love story is kind of the central thing. And when you think about the Fifty Shades series, it's like, I would definitely say those are more like the ripped bodice stuff because they are a lot more quote unquote crappy, you know, like gra more graphic sex scenes that may not be written well. And uh, Unfortunately, that's what I think about with a lot of the romance novels and stuff that's really not written well. You know, like you got all the synonyms for the body parts and stuff yeah. that wouldn't actually say in the world. So, 
I think Fifty Shades is definitely fitting that genre. I haven't read it. Have you read it? I read a few of them, and then I couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> what What couldn't you take? The way that they talked and the way that Christian Grey acts. Like, to me, that's not hot, you know? Like, some people like the tortured guy, but I just was like, you sound like a hot mess, and I'm not dealing with that shit. I don't know. I feel like as I've gotten older, I just have a much lower like a lot of work i'm just i'm not here for it like a yeah. lower tolerance for assholes yes and i think mm-hmm. he's cool. no, I no that. Of being hot would would have me put up with that kind of crap i agree and i used to fucking love assholes like for a long time way longer than i should have <laughs> like it didn't stop like when i turned 21 or something So you don't think you've read a romance novel since high school? Well, no, and I see why you would say that Twilight is a romance novel, so I've read Twilight. Um, but I haven't read, like, a drugstore romance novel. Gotcha. Um, I don't, like, really read a lot. and I don't have a lot of time to read, so when I'm reading, a lot of the time I'm, like, doing it to get information. Uh-huh. Well, I'm not, I don't necessarily read to see a story. The books I'm reading now, yeah, I'm like that so far re- recently. The books I'm reading now are like information books. It's kind of annoying. But fiction, yeah. it's important. I also, though, need a good fiction book in between or at least a couple in a row, get into like a mood of it or, I'll, or else like I'll just not want, I'll just be bored of reading altogether. Like uh-huh. I feel like the great thing yeah. about a fiction is like, it's more like you read it straight through and you, like, have the whole experience where you're, like, sitting with a book for a long time versus, like, the casual experience with, like, a nonfiction book. True. But, um, yeah, I haven't had any... Oh, wait, one other thing I want to say, because we were talking about Jane Austen books. Like, I, like, had Googled romance novels for an image graphic for this episode, and Pride and Prejudice was, like, the first book. So Jane Austen novels are totally... are considered romance novels. Which, since you said that about the Twilight thing, <coughs> since you said that about Twilight, I was thinking that she would probably also be considered that... Um, but those I, are more yeah. love stories and less like the trashy aspect. Yeah, right. but the but the way Jane Austen like builds up the like to like a hand touching and and a glances across the room and that kind of build up is like really big in romance novels, like important for the finale. She just doesn't like literally write about like, you know, the graphic stuff. Right. And they're, they are more political. They're more political, too, because it's about, I mean, the ends of all her books are pretty much like marriage contracts, because the whole point that she's trying to make the joke is that women are property. And, like, a whole point, the whole point of getting married is the, for the exchange of property. So, yeah. um, so she very, at, most of the end of her books are really funny in that way. She very dryly at the end of the books just goes through the marriage contract which I think is really funny. Um, 
so far I haven't found anything too sexy uh, in this in this shapeshifter one. There's been a couple shifting into a human into a wolf that's kind of hot, but uh, oh yeah, oh, okay, no, I haven't found anything yet. Um, but. The Charlene uh, Harris novels. Oh, yeah, and that's how I got into her romance. Charlene Harris's romance novels were like um, what I was telling you guys about Octavia Butler's novel, Fledgling, which is a romance. Uh, but it's, not, it's a vampire novel. But like uh, Octavia Butler was like obsessed with Charlene Harris's The Sookie Stackhouse series. Um, towards the end of her writing career. And she actually wrote Fledgling after, inspired by the Sookie Stackhouse series. Um, and the other one I talked about was, um, Maureen, your phone's making the most annoying noises. Do you know that? What's it doing? Well, I don't know. You're, you're like rubbing up against the microphone or something. Oh, maybe I am. Um, no. Hi, you, uh, it was, um, can I be on the phone? Can I surprise you, please? It was, um, the, um, the Harry, Dr the Harry Dresden, um, the Dresden Files books. Can you shut the door behind you, please? Can you shut, okay. I might not be long for this. Oh, no, that's okay. We're like, you know, um. I'm being very boring because I'm trying to find this and then I'm also trying to recall everything that I talked about in the last episode. Forbidden Fruit. This oh, is yeah. the La Fontaine. Um, let me see if there's like a really short one. This is like, okay, this is like three pages long. Let me read this. So La Fontaine is a French uh, writer who also wrote children's stories and erotica they go hand in hand right um okay so this, leads to children <laughs> there you go oh. there you go for some <laughs> Not I mean, guys, you something to do while you're doing it um you need something to do while you're doing it okay, the kids need something to do you gotta keep them occupied so you oh. give them the story and you go do it that was a weird way to go with it. Um, Cuckolded, thrashed, delighted. That's what this is called. Not so long ago, there was a young sprig who had paid a largely unprofitable visit to Rome and was now on his way home. Well, on his return journey, he was content to dwaddle and to accept any excuse to be delayed, especially on occasions where his inn provided good wine, good quarters, and a pretty serving wench whom his bed might be divided. Stopping one day in a little town, he noticed a lady attended by her page. Fair of face, she was dainty as well, and sporting an elegant gown. One look was enough for him to gauge that she was a quarry worth pursuing. Well, our pilgrim had come away with indulgences by the sack, but to call him a model of virtue would, would be inexact. That's the way of the world. Besides, a lady is worth the wooing when she has an alluring disposition high spirits, dazzling beauty, and a look in her eye to send a man to his perdition. In a word, she had it all, except for a friend with whom to share it. And the fact oh. is, don't interrupt me. 
Right. <laughs> Feelings. It worked. She had it all. Except for a friend with whom to share it. And the fact is, our lad was lost beyond recall. He yearned for her so much he simply couldn't bear it. The first thing he did, therefore, was to inquire who the lady was, and he was told she was the missus of the local squire. His nibs has but lately annexed her. That's some, uh, you know, I don't know. As, as his married partner, for all that his head sports, but four hairs, every one of them gray. Okay, so her husband's ugly. But if she had promised to love, cherish, and obey, that will be because he is the local knob. And the, not, and the size of his estate will not have vexed her. Okay, that was an innuendo. You guys, did you guys catch that? Local knob. Local knob, size of his, size of his estate. Mm-hmm. For dicks. Um, <laughs> after taking good note of all he had been told, our pilgrim conceived a solid expectation of striking gold. And here is how he reckoned to proceed. First, he dismissed his pages to find their billet in the neighboring borough. What's a billet? A billet? Yeah. B-I-L-L-E-T. No idea. Uh, Okay, well, I guess we'll never know if there's an innuendo there. Then up he went to the manor, spoke spoke to its lord and said, I'm the man you need. I'm young and keen as mustard. Can turn my hand to anything and besides, am nothing if not thorough. The squire found all his highly satisfactory, found all of this highly satisfactory, and appointed him master of the falcons. Having first consulted his wife, who turned out to be not in the least refractory, indeed she persuaded him he'd not find a better one west of the Balkans. You see, the falconer and the lady hit it off right from the start, and being a lady killer of some experience, he wasted no time in offering her his heart. Not that he'd set himself a simple task, design and execution being at a considerable variance. The old man worshipped the ground trodden upon by his bride and seldom left her side, except when he was off with his hawks and hounds. His falconer, perforce, had to go too, though he'd been, though he'd have been happier loitering within the grounds. The lady held a similar inclination, but for the present, hi, Scout! But for the yeah. present, they could do is wait and watch the situation. And if I venture that they found this delay a score a sore affliction, I believe I can do without fear of contradiction. Now, love, who had not remained indifferent to their plight, inspired the lady to speak thus to her husband one night. Of all of your retinue, 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 um, I don't. I, I know that word, but I can't say it. Anyway, which one in your service do you feel shows the greatest zeal? Upon my word, I've always held the view that my falconer is quite exceptionally good and true. There we have a lad in whom I'll trust quite blindly. Don't blink, she said. I aim to speak unkindly. But on the contrary, he's a man to view with some suspicion. Why, only the other day he was making me an incident proposition. Heavens, I was shocked. Shocked. I scarce believed my ears. My first thought was to let fly with my nails, indeed to strangle him, until it occurred to me to approach this from a different angle, from one prefers not to trumpet these affairs. What's more, in case he should deny it, I told him, if you want to, we could try it. In the garden by the pear tree after dark, I'll meet you. But this, I said, is what you have to mark. My husband sticks to me like my shadow, not because he considers me suspectable, but because he loves me and finds me endlessly delectable. 
The only time we're safe from his adoring is when he's gone to sleep and started snoring. So that is when his vigilance discarding, I can slip out of bed and join you in the garden. That then, my friend, is whither it matters ten. At this, the worthy squire found it impossible to conceal his ire. But his lady said, gently does it, dear. Why not catch him red-handed? Then you can give him more than a clip over the ear. By the pear tree, the first of first on the left, as you enter the garden, you'll find him. So wait, okay, hold on. She, I'm confused. She's a whore. So, okay, so, but she's a whore. My nose is like really itching. Um, so she's a whore. I feel like Zizak. I'm like, um, so she's a whore. Um, but okay, but she's telling her husband about meeting with the, the guy to have sex. Oh, see, like I missed that. I didn't pick up on that. Yeah, you said, you know, meet him at the tree and then you can do more than clip him in the ear or whatever. And yes. I also got confused. I was like, wait, 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 wait. Is yeah, this the same I thought is being adulterous. Exactly. They were talking about meeting at the tree and now I think she's talking to her husband and tattling on the dude. So maybe she's like kinky. All right, so here's what she says. Now rather than simply creeping up on him, here's what you what you do. You wear my skirts and turn up in disguise. So now she's asking her husband, this is so confusing. I mean, stand in for me and give yourself leisure to listen to his infamy and credit thus the witness of your eyes. You'll bring a stick, apply it to his nether quarters until he drops to teach him to keep his hands off his honest burgers' daughters. Her husband swallowed all of this hook, line, and sinker. He would not be rated the world's profoundest thinker. I mean, a fellow may be the soul of kindness and yet be not exempt from blindness. When the moment came to catch the gallant, his employer, decked out in his wife's headdress and billowing skirt, dashed away into the garden in a state of high alert to catch this blight infesting the domestic foyer. But I have to declare there was nobody there, which was not what he had been expecting. And while I lingered out there, teeth chattering and perishing with cold, little did he realize that the wolf was already in the fold. For after the lad had spent a while inspecting the neighborhood, he went to join his mistress in her bed. When love has taken a hand, so I've heard it said, and the lady is more than willing, indeed all too inviting, then the love play tends to prove not unexciting. But the game, alas, could not be made to last forever, because their plan involved a further endeavor. When their time was up, the lady sent him on his way, though not before offering a stir-up stir cup. In the garden he ran, where his nibs, with growing dismay, and seething impatience cursed the man's delay. Now when the lad spotted him, he made a play of taking his master for his master's spouse and shouted, Monstrous woman, to play so mean a trick upon your lord and bring such treachery within this noble house. Is this for his unfailing kindness a merited reward? Well, you are, God be my witness, an utter disgrace. Myself, I almost hesitated to come for a past belief that you would truly have the face to cause your husband such injury and grief. You need a sweetheart, do you? But I'm not your man, so I fixed this meeting. That was simply in my plan, to test the mettle of your marriage vow. For look, I don't say that I'm perfect, but to romp with you in bed is not a thought that's ever coming to my head. I have, thank God, some small concern for your house, so that's a thing it simply won't allow. 
My word, the effrontery of this woman. She must be bold as brass to think I'd ever practice such deceit upon my master. No, you little hussy, I'm going to tan your hide. Then tell my master what sort of a woman he's taken as his bride. Our squire listened to all of this with tears of joy and murmured in ecstasy. Now there's my boy. Praise be to God, for truly I've been graced with wife and servant, both so good and chaste. Now, nor was that all, for the lad produced a cudgel he'd concealed and left the old man's shoulders badly raw and wheeled. Or was it rather a belting that produced all that welting? At all events, he soundly flogged his master to get him back indoors, perhaps all the faster. In truth, the luckless squire could have wished that in his service the fellow had been just a shade more mellow. Still, for his smarting skin, it was great consolation to remember this boy so charged with righteous indignation. He found his wife in bed and told her all that had occurred. My honey, we were both to live another hundred years. Will neither of us find ourselves a lad who is remotely to be preferred? He is indeed a treasure to be valued above all his peers. I mean to find him a wife here in this district, and I'm asking you to try to hold him in the same affection as I do. Your wish, dear husband, will have my complete concurrence. Pray count on it with the most sincere assurance. Well, that was boring. Uh, I really don't I was understand. For the scandalous. Yeah, I mean, I guess what was hot about that was the flogging part of it and the the cross the cross dressing. I think that maybe that's what was like erotic about it yeah i feel like a lot of those like older books are like super kinky like that yeah like because they're like um like victorian age like all repressed and fucked up yeah i mean well uh we're we're puritan you know uh you know raised so we're just as you know oh yeah withheld and fucked up but, I wasn't judging them, just saying. Um, anyway, sorry for boring you guys with that. I feel cultured now. <laughs> um, I, I don't really know what else to talk about romance novels. I feel like I like... I feel like, to be honest, um, that... I have too many examples of romance novels. Too many? What do you mean? I mean, I I just like I'm just trying to like go over all of them and it's like overwhelming. Mm. So I don't really have anything interesting to say because I just I have so many romance novels examples. Like I just ran through like 500 of them, I feel like. Did I not? It wasn't 500, Beth. All right, let me see uh, if I can find. Why, you and Kim talk about romance novels, and I'm going to look for the Dresden Files. One. How come it... Well, romance novels are for yeah. reading on the beach, right? Well, what's the one that we read in uh, high school, Maureen? That Lily... Yep, it was called Lily, and I just remember it was like what Kim was 
explaining. Kim has to go. Okay. Bye, yeah, thank Kim. you so much for being with us. Bye, guys. Talk to you time. They're not as cooperative as they were last time. That's no, okay. That's okay. Bye. Just tidy, really just tidy. Okay. Bye, guys. Bye. Um. <laughs> so we are you glad any... you don't have children? <laughs> oh my god. I feel so irresponsible, kind of, but also happy. I mean, they're, like, you just, like, they just interrupt you and you can't, like, really hang out and talk to your friends. Even though, honestly, I gotta tell you, I felt like our conversation was really boring. Maybe it's because I was reading. Um, I don't know. I guess we'll go back and listen to it. No. Last, you know what's funny? I mean, you know what really sucks for everyone listening? The last episode was better. I can already yeah. tell right now. It was fresher. It's hard to like be fresh, like re-talking about everything that we talked about. Exactly, because everyone's trying to just like remember what it was yeah. that we actually talked about. Yeah. Yeah, and plus, like, I don't know. I mean, you were just like almost in. A, I mean, you were in a big protest. Oh shit! Did I close you out? Are you still there? I'm still here. Uh, oh, your good. video is just not there. Oh, okay. Hold on, I'm back. Back. Um, yeah, and I feel like you must be a little bit drained after your day. I well, yeah. I mean, I definitely got like an overload, but like you know, whatever. I've done. Um, oh, it's in death mass. Okay. Um, I've done. I've done protests a bunch, but, um, I guess what was, what this one is just the, I wasn't there for it, but I got home and then there's like all this violence and stuff. I also do have yeah. a bunch of people texting me being like, are you okay? And stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, so I am a bit overwhelmed from that. Um, that's overwhelming. Yeah. Um, well, did you have work today? No, I didn't, thank God. But I went to the grocery store, which really overwhelms me. Um, it's not being at a protest, but it's just so overwhelming still. Hold on. Kim just texted me. And you. I know. I, what I, did it say? She said, I think we should talk about the brooding male in these stories and why it is hot. And why it is a thing. And does it teach women that it's okay for men to be assholes as long as there is a grand gesture at the end? Yeah, I think that is true. What? About? Like, well, yeah, the, there's something about the brooding male that, I mean, honestly... Like you, when you're, when you're courting somebody, don't you just, don't you initially like, you want a challenge. Like you don't want to like be courting somebody that you know, obviously likes you. It leaves like no mystery. Yeah. It's Is definitely that, part of human nature to want a challenge. And also like, I don't know about you, but like, I don't really like myself. So like, oh yeah, self-loathing. Yes. Yeah, it's self-loathing. Yeah. Like, so like, if somebody like really likes you, you would be like, uh, something. What's wrong with you? Well, there's That's what yeah, I think we would be like, what's wrong with you? But also, 
think definitely something's wrong with them. Like, obviously, if, wow, if you think I'm... Yeah, that's what I'm saying, yeah. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Let me see if I... So, it's in Death Mass, which is... So, I was talking about um, the Dresden Files, and there's, like, this great um, sex scene in this in this book that is... Um, uh, that is like um, between a human and a vamp. Well, Harry Dresden's a wizard, a wizard and a vampire, and like you literally, vampires like can't mate with humans in this book because they're so violent they would end up killing you. Uh huh. Um, but Harry has this like unicorn hair rope made from a, a unicorn's mane and as, oh. and it, they you use it to like um restrain vampires because it's like super strong rope so he ends up restraining her and he and he ties her with her arms up like this over her head mm -hmm. from the mm -hmm. rafters of his house <gasps> and they have sex like that that's pretty hot yeah and i was like it would be great if i could like find it Honestly, I'm really disappointed in myself. I typically leave bookmarks in books, you know, especially in audiobooks, like, to have a really good scene. And I did not do that with this. I mean, I remember it was towards the end. Chapter 30. You can't, I said. I shot a glance over to home plate, but the archive apparently hadn't noticed anything amiss. My will wavered, and the Mordite sphere bobbed back and forth. They'll hear the shot. They'll kill you. Quite possibly, he agreed. As I said, I am prepared to accept that. His words chilled me, and the Mordite sphere darted at my head. I caught it a couple of feet from me and held it, but just barely. I told you, Dresden, there's only one way this can end. I would have preferred an honorable little dim... It's not that chapter. Back in my apartment, I called Murphy on her personal cell phone. Oh, I Murphy's the copy of the crush told her everything. Well, like, Murphy, they, like, work Murphy together, said, and there's, like, a sexual tension, and they don't get together until, like, the, the 1500th book. Looks like, I said, how can I help? We've got to keep them from, from getting... All right, so that's not it. When Father Vincent answered my knock, I kicked the door into his face as hard as I could. He fell back with a grunt of surprise. I came into the room with Father Forthill's Louisville slugger in my hands and jabbed the broad end of the bat into Vincent's throat. The Jesus. old priest made a sick croaking sound and clutched at his neck on the way to well, the floor. Well, these are, they're very, I didn't let it stop there. hot novels. I kicked him in the ribs twice, and when he rolled over <laughs> trying to get away novels. from me, I stomped down on well, the back of his neck, with these, drew I was my saying, gun, and shoved these are it like against fantasy his skull. Novels, Theo, Vincent whimpered, panting. Theo, wait, please, don't hurt me. I don't have time to play pretend, I said. Drop the act. Please, Mr. Dresden, I don't know what you mean. He coughed, panted. I opened my eyes a while later and saw Susan standing in the living room, her eyes closed. She was crouched, her hands held before her as if grasping an invisible basketball. As I watched, she moved, arms and legs gliding through gentle, circular motions. Tai Chi... It was a meditative form of exercise that had originally come from martial arts. 
massive people who practice Tai Chi didn't like, realize that the movements they followed were beautiful, like slow motion renditions really of bone breaking throws and joint down. locks. But, like, I, I had a feeling Susan knew. She wore her t shirt and a pair of my running shorts. She moved with the graceful simplicity of a natural talent honed by training. A turn showed me her face, her expression set in peaceful concentration. I spent a minute watching her in silence, cataloging my own aches and pains. She suddenly smiled without opening her eyes and said, Don't start drooling, Harry. My house, I can drool as much as I want. What was that rope you used? She asked, still going through her routine. You I've broken handcuffs her. before. Magic? Shop talk. I had hoped for some other kind of discussion. Or maybe I'd been nervous about it. Work talk held a certain appeal for me, too. It was safe. Fairy make, I said, has hair from a unicorn's mane woven through it. Really? I shrugged. That's what Fix said. I imagine he knows. Would be handy to have around if the Denarians showed up again, don't you think? Not unless they came here, I told her. It's set to this place. Take it out of here and it wouldn't work. Why not? Because I'm not that good yet, I said. It's easy to make something that works at home. Yeah. Takes a lot more know-how than I have to take an enchantment on the road. I got out of bed and got moving. The clock said that it wasn't yet ten in the morning. I hopped in and out of the shower, dressed, slapped a comb through my hair, and decided that the rakish chapter it. 25. This is it. I didn't have much left in me in the way of magic. I wouldn't until I had a chance to rest and recuperate from what Nicodemus had done to me. Anyway. I might have been able to manage a spell now. that would hold a normal person, but not a hungry vampire. <laughs> well, and this and is that too. was what Susan was. She'd gained strength in more senses than the merely physical. Mm. And that never happened without granting a this certain amount of magical James defense, even if they're nothing but the, the naked will to fight. The snake boy's okay, serpent cloud had been one of the nastier spells. Chapter 25. Ah. Hold on. I didn't have much left in me in the way of magic. I wouldn't until I had a chance. Ah. Chapter 33. Chapter 20. I, chapter oh, okay. 25. Nastier spells, he said, her eyelid fellowship she said the work against the red court she looked down at her design covered hand and showed it to me the tat she sat on the couch and met my eyes okay we're gonna get to it um my explanation of this is that james marsters is the narrator who is plays spike in buffy the vampire slayer who i have a huge crush on gotcha um, and he narrates the book. So this just makes it that much better. And this is like a fantasy series. I mean, sometimes he does like detective noir kind of style. Sometimes it's like a crime like um, novel. But it's very heavily fantasy based. Um, it's about wizards and supernatural vampires and, you know, um, all that kind of shit. And um, it's like harry potter in a sense but it's for adults you know and uh and it's like harry dresden is like kind of obnoxious leading character because he's kind of like he's totally um he's like a corny nerd in a way but he's also a very powerful wizard and I feel like such a fucking nerd even talking about this. 
Um, but, uh, you know, he's lovable. But the other thing, like, Jim, these are also, I think the Jim Butcher's also in the romance novels as well. And that genre, which is one other thing, like we were saying earlier, you're making fun of him for over-explaining stuff. He over-explains everything. And that's the thing. Romance novels do that, too. Because they're, like, it's the laziest reading. Like, it's just yeah. being, like, don't even try to think what Tai Chi is. I will just tell you. You don't even have to, like, recall it. Like, you know? It's, like... And I actually really like that because, like, uh, it's, it makes it more of a page turner and you really, you literally don't have to think at all. It's like Flat television. Beach. Yeah. So, anyway, let's get to the sex. Harry, she whispered, <laughs> it hurts. It hurts to fight it. I'm tired of holding on. I don't know how long I can. I, I knelt down to be on eye level with her. Too. Do you trust me? With my heart, with my life. Close your eyes, I said. She did. I got up and walked slowly to the kitchen drawer. I didn't move quickly. You don't move quickly away from something that is thinking about making you food. It sets them off. Whatever had been placed inside her was growing. I could feel that, see it, hear it in her voice. I was in danger, but it didn't matter because so was she. I usually keep a gun in the kitchen drawer. At the time, I had a gun and a short length of silver and white rope in there. I picked up the rope and walked back over to her. Susan, I said quietly, give me your hands. She opened her eyes and looked at the soft, fine rope. That won't hold me. I made it in case an ogre I pissed off came visiting. Give me your hands. She was silent for a moment, then she shrugged out of her jacket and held her hands out, wrists up. I tossed the rope at her and whispered, Manicus. I'd enchanted the rope six months before, but I'd done it right. It took barely a whisper of power to set the rope into motion. It whipped into the air, silver threads flashing, and bound itself around her wrists in neat loops. Susan reacted instantly, going completely tense. I saw her set herself and strain against the ropes. I waited, watching for a full half a minute before she started shaking and stopped trying to break them. She let out a shaking breath, her head bowed, hair fallen around her face. I started to move toward her when she stood up, legs spread enough to brace herself firmly, and tried again, lifting her arms. I licked my lips, watching. I didn't think she'd break the ropes, but I'd underestimated people before. Her face, her two black eyes, scared me. She strained against the ropes again, the movement drawing her shirt up, showing me her smooth brown stomach, the winding swirls and barbs of her tattoo, red and stark against her skin. There were dark bruises over her ribs and patches of skin that had been scraped raw. She hadn't come away from our tumble from Martin's car without being hurt after all. After a minute more, she hissed out a breath and sat down, Hair a tumbled mess around her face. I could feel her eyes on me more than I could actually see them. They didn't feel like Susan's eyes anymore. The tattoo stood out against her skin, red as blood. I backed off, again deliberately, calmly, and got the first aid kit out of the bathroom. When I came back out, she flung herself at me in blinding speed and utter silence. I'd been expecting as much and snapped, Fusari! 
silver rope flashed with a glitter of blue light and darted toward the ceiling. Her wrists went with it, and she was pulled completely from the floor. Her feet swung up and she twisted again in silence, fighting the bonds on her. She didn't get free, and I let her swing there until her legs had settled again, her toes barely touching the floor. She let out a quiet sob and whispered, I'm sorry, Harry. I can't stop it. It's okay. I've got you. I stepped closer to examine the injuries on her midsection and winced. God, you got torn up. I hate this. I'm so sorry. It hurt me to hear her voice. There was enough pain in it for both of us. Shh, I said. Let me take care of you. She fell quiet then, though I could sense flashes of that feral hunger in her. I got a bowl of water, a cloth, and set to cleaning up the scrapes as best I could. She quivered once in a while. Once she let out a pained groan. The bruises went all the way up her back, and she had another patch of abraded skin on her neck. I wonder if this guy's like I put my hand on her head and pushed forward. She bowed yeah, her head it's and like really going on about that. Yeah. To the wound. While I did, I the quality of tension changed. Like, oh. I could smell her hair, her skin, their scent like candle smoke and cinnamon. I became suddenly, intensely aware of the curve of her back, her hips. She leaned back a little toward me, bringing her body into contact with mine. The heat of her, something that could have singed me. Her breathing changed, growing faster, heavier. She turned her head enough to look at me over her shoulder. Her eyes burned and her tongue flickered over her lips. Need you, she whispered. I swallowed. Susan, I think maybe that... Don't think, she said. Her hips brushed against the front of my sweats, and I was abruptly so hard that it hurt. Don't think. Touch me. Somewhere I knew it wasn't the best of ideas, but I laid the fingers of one hand on the curve of her waist, wrapping them slowly to her heated skin. Soft smoothness caressed my hand. There was a pleasure in it, a primal, possessive pleasure in touching her. I ran my palm and spread fingers over her flank, her belly, in slow and light circles. Oh. She arched at the caress, her eyes closing, and whispered, Yes, over and over again. Yes. I let the washcloth fall from my other hand and reached up to touch her hair. More softness, rich texture, dark hairs gliding between my fingers. I felt a second of gathering tension in her, and then she whipped her head around, teeth bared, reaching for my hand. I should have drawn my hand away. Instead, I tightened my fingers in her hair and pulled back, forcing her chin up and keeping her from reaching me. I expected anger from her, but instead her body became pliant again, moving against me with a more willing abandon. A languid smile spread over her lips and faded away to an open-mouthed gasp as I slid my other hand up beneath the cotton shirt and ran my fingertips lightly over her breasts. She gasped, and at the sound, all of my recent worry, fear, anger, pain, it all faded away, burned to ash by a sudden fire of raw need. To feel her under my hand again to have the scent of her filling my head. I dreamed of it on too many cold and lonely nights. 
It wasn't the smart thing to do. It was the only thing. I slid both hands around her body, teasing her breasts, loving the way their tips hardened to rounded points beneath my fingers. She tried to turn on me again, but I jerked her back hard against me, my mouth pressing against the side of her throat, keeping her from turning her head. It only excited her more. Need, she whispered, panting. Need you. Don't stop. I wasn't sure I could have. I couldn't get enough of the taste of her onto my lips. Impatient, I shoved her shirt up over her breasts to the top of her back and spent a slow and delicious moment following the line of her spine with my lips and tongue, tasting her skin, testing its texture with my teeth. Some part of me struggled to remember to be gentle. Another part didn't give a damn. Feel. <laughs> taste. Not one damn. My teeth left small marks here and there on her skin, and I remember thinking that they looked intriguing beside the curling scarlet designs that swept in a spiral around her body. The dark leather of her pants blocked my mouth, a sudden ugliness beneath my lips. Wait, she's wearing and I pants this whole time. To get it out of my way. They're leather pants. For though. the record, tight leather pants don't like come off easily. Oh, he just Berserk lust is likely not the best frame of mind for removing them. I didn't let that stop me. She gasped when I started taking them off, started squirming and wriggling, trying to help me. Mostly, it just drove me insane as she brushed against me, as I watched her move in sinuous, delicious need. Her panting gasps all had a quiet vocalization to them now, a sound that both spoke of her need and urged me on. I got the pants down over her hips. There wasn't anything else beneath them. I shivered and paused to spend another moment savoring her with my hands, my mouth, placing delicate kisses around the scrapes, biting at unmarred skin to elicit more desperate movements, louder moans. The scent of her was driving me insane. Now, she whispered, a frenzied edge to her voice. Now. But I didn't hurry. I don't know how long I stood there, kissing, touching, driving her cries into higher and more desperate pitches. All I knew was that something I'd wanted needed, longed for, had come to me again. At that moment, there was nothing on earth, in heaven or hell, that meant more to me. She looked over her shoulder at me, eyes black and burning with hunger. She tried for my hand again, driven beyond words now. I had to control her head again, fingers knotted into her hair, while my free hand got the interfering clothes out of the way. She let out mewling sounds of raw need until I pulled her hips back against me, feeling my way, and in a rush of fire and silk felt my hardness press into her. Her eyes flew open wide, out of focus, and she cried out, moving against me, meeting my motion with her own. I had a fleeting thought of slowing down. I didn't. Neither of us wanted that. I took her that way, my mouth on her ear, her throat, one hand in her hair, her hands stretched out over her, body straining back to meet mine. God, she was beautiful. She screamed and started shuddering, and it was all I could do not to explode. I fought away the inevitable for a little time more. Susan sagged down for a moment, until with my hands, with my mouth, with the thrusts of my body, I kindled the quiet moans once again to cries of need. She screamed again, the motions of her body swift, liquid, desperate, and there wasn't any way I could keep her from driving me over the brink with her.
Our cries mingled together as we intertwined. The strain of muscles and bodies and hungers overwhelmed me. Pleasure, like fire, consumed us both and burned my thoughts to ash. Time drifted by and did not touch us. When I recovered my senses, I found myself on the floor. Susan lay on her stomach beneath me, her still-bound arms laid out above her head. Not much time had passed. Both of us were still short of breath. I shivered and felt myself still inside her. I didn't remember releasing the spell that held the bonds up to the ceiling, but I must have done it. I moved my head to kiss her shoulder, her cheek, very softly. All right, we're done. That's the hot, that's the hot sex scene. There you go. There's something gratifying from this episode. Uh, <laughs> by the way, uh, that this is a fan podcast, and we are merely not doing copyright infringement on that no. book at all. We're just sharing our favorite part for uh, people listening, and it's not copyright infringement at all. Mm-mm. Um. Yeah, so what did you think of that, Marie? It's, it's definitely all about the build-up. Yeah. In these romance novels, for sure. Uh, well, and I should also say, the other thing that gets you so horny for this, uh, because there's a lot of horniness in the whole novel. Like, all of the books are very horny, but there's no sex. Right, that's exactly. That's like, what's hot. Yeah. Like, so, like, I believe this one, I don't think he's had sex in, like, three books two or three books he hadn't had wow well like him and susan were an item before she became a vampire i'm fairly certain but that was like maybe a book ago or something it had been like a couple books since he even had sex so that's why like by the time that finally happened you were like that's so high me uh, me. what are you doing Talking to Gus. Gus. Dude, I'm tired. Okay, yeah. Let me let you go. This episode sucked. Uh, you know, romance novels, uh, Black Lives Matter. Really, I just have to go masturbate. <laughs> okay, Maureen. <laughs> I'll talk to you later. And um, bye. Stay safe. Bye. See ya. Podcast. Podcast. Do do Two hoes. Two hoes. Four house on the hill. From Delco. Four house on the hill. Oh, yeah, it's a four house on the hill. Two hoes. Two hoes. Don't roll your skirt too short. Everybody's gonna wanna be up in that shorts. <laughs>